back to UK North. I know it's been a while, uh, but uh, some of us had very bad throat infections and others of us have had lots and lots of work on. So uh, Mr. Seb and I uh, will be uh, taking this one. So hello, Mr. Seb. Hello, Mr. Ross. Yes, we're back. And uh, <laughs> talking about all the anime newsy things that we uh, have sort of missed out on. I suppose the first one we'll talk about because it's uh, funny when it happens to other people. Um, we've got the data breach at Funimation. Well, it's more, not fun. It's not Funimation as such. It's just a lot of um, web-based businesses use um, a company called Cloudfare, Cloudflare, um, for all of their data storage and cloud uh, hosting. Probably not for much longer. Well, you'd say that, but in the same way that Heartbleed has attacked any SSL um, subroutines in routers and home security. Well, something similar happened at Cloudfare and, and potentially six to 18 months worth of passwords have been intercepted. This does not obviously affect Funimation, it affects the likes of also Crunchyroll. Potentially also affects Netflix, who, although they do use some of the services around Europe through Cloudflare, they have more data capacity. So the true extents are to be determined, but it will be a case of if you share a password on Crunchyroll or Funimation to start off. Anywhere else, change your passwords now, guys. Yeah, can't have anything nice, can we? I guess the, 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 the real message here is don't have any hobbies. Don't have any hobbies, don't like anything. Don't go online. Don't go Just online. Stay home in a box. Hide home in a cupboard, generally speaking, you know. At the very least, you'll be safe from us. <laughs> and probably be doing a very successful Harry Potter cosplay at the time, mm. if you live in a cupboard. If you live in a cupboard, yes, I suppose so. If you live in a box, you can do a Metal Gear Solid thing, can't you? So there we go. Two great cosplay ideas that don't cost a lot of money. Anyway, moving on from uh, crime, uh, oh, slightly into different kind of crime. Uh, we have been watching, and admittedly it didn't take very long, uh, the uh, Yasuhiro Yoshiura Path Labor reboot animation, mm -hmm. which was put online for all of us lovely anime nerds to go and have a look at. It's about a six-minute animation. It's a kind of fresh look at Pat Labour, uh, so therefore the characters have changed, the labours look pretty much identical, but it's a lovely piece of animation. Oh, what did you think? It was one of the, it was a great taste of the 80s, to put it back. One of these usual, it was kind of harking back to, uh, there was a series recently on called Active Raid, which uh, has obviously does involve Mecha, the police having it, although on a completely different scale to the Ingrams, but... Uh, it was uh, um, obviously Platt Labour back way back when did the same thing as Dominion Tank Police, which was the police have to be aware of destroying public property and have some responsibilities while the criminals will just smash up whatever the hell they want. And I think that was something that was quite nicely played in this one. Do you think there was enough there to sort of set a new series up from it? Or do you think it's kind of Platt Labour's played out and it could probably just do, you know, do with short animations from time to time? think we probably can get a new series out of it if you think it's just a police procedural i mean you've got infinite amount of crimes you could commit especially with a giant earth's earth moving robot i suppose so you could you could give it a go with that um yeah i mean yeah. i thought it looked nice i thought it was um it was a nice presentation uh very it was, pretty i didn't think there was anything in the actual short that we haven't seen in pat labor before which is why i asked the question i just wonder you know okay you can do um new animation for old series to make it relevant to a new audience that haven't seen the original. Um, I just wonder what the market might be like for something like that. I don't know, actually. It's one of these things that I've, obviously we've had other series do similar things in, in the last 12 to 18 months. 
Well, so, it, well, yeah, including yeah. the one I'm going to talk about, which is uh, Berserk, because I actually got yeah. the chance to watch some anime for a bloody change. That's the, the, the amazing amount of free time you have when you can't talk. Um, so, I started, uh, I haven't seen the Berserk films. I do have them on Blu ray, but I've not watched them because I've heard mixed reviews from the UKA team. So, I kind of think, well, I've seen the original TV series, it's just been re released by MVM on Blu ray. So, I re watched it, and it is as good as I remember it being. Including with the ridiculous ending, which is very apocalyptic, doesn't really answer anything. Uh, but watching the new TV series from 2016 on Crunchyroll, which is kind of that rotoscoped computer animation type stuff, I have to say, I think the hand drawn stuff looked prettier. I, it looks very lazy, did this. Well, I think the new series, when it first came out, was massively criticised for the poor quality of the CGI and the rotoscoping and the animation. Mm -hmm. And I certainly know that for the Blu-rays that did get released, that it was reanimated. Um, so really? Yeah, quite heavily, in fact. Um, probably more away from the rotos... I think all they've done is they've, they've rotoscoped it and CGI'd it just so that they could get it out on time. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the what happens in post-production and when you go to uh, physical releases is that most series tend to get at least some retouching, some reanimation, just because they're not on the TV timescales. Well, I think the animation's one thing, but watching this, I think the problem Berserk has always got is it has such a strong first act with the Golden Age arc mm. that everything that follows it seems somehow inferior. It's, it, I kind of liken it to uh, the original Battle Angel Alita, sort of nine-volume series, and then the, you know, the Alita almost reboot that followed it. Mm. I just found it dull as hell. It lacked any of the character of the original. just seemed to be something that they'd stretched out. Now, Berserk is a bit different because it always had the following arcs. It gets very dark, very bloody. And watching this particular TV series, where you've got the Holy Iron Chain Knights, I think I've got that right, um, chasing around after, well, getting all the sort of like the heathens and uh, heretics uh, into this big tower, and uh, there's a lot of religious stuff in this. I just thought it went on for too long. It was something that the Golden Age arc would have covered in four episodes, and this was like 12, 13 episodes of very elongated storyline. Um, it wasn't as interesting as it thought it was. And one of the main characters in this, which is this blonde girl that lives with a group of prostitutes in a tent, less exciting than it sounds, very <laughs> whingy, very cowardly, no real redeeming features, and yet there's more time spent with her than there is with Guts, which you just kind of think, well... I don't see the point. There's no redemption for the character at the end of it. Oh, she's one of the ones that survives. Spoilers for you that you're going to watch. She's been on Crunchyroll a while now. Um, but it doesn't feel like her place in the series is really deserved. And I, I was kind of struggling to see the point of it. I, I liked the bits. You had Casca in there. Obviously, she lost her mind because of the whole you know apocalyptic ending to the original arc. But they didn't. it didn't really seem to have a point. And it was, it was kind of go in and rescue Casca from this holy t uh, sort of tower but it took too long and I saw that I was watching it and I enjoyed being with the characters and it was nice to see Guts back again and you get to see Glimpse of Griffith and they're doing another series in 2017 which is going to be the next arc and all I can hope is that rotoscoped or not they actually make more of the story this time uh, I wasn't impressed really with um, any of the character development that we got it seemed quite generic and for Berserk the one thing it should never be is generic well, not really when it's def uh, essentially a genre def death-defining product in the first place. Yeah, I, it just it kind of it had certain elements of it that I seemed to think worked pretty well. It was dark, and I, I think part of the problem was um, you had all these sort of like evil demony things that looked like jelly that were going around and dissolving people towards the end of the series. What? And okay. yeah, and you never really felt 
like they were much danger because you could chop them up with a sword or set them on fire. Um, and I just after three episodes of these things wandering around, I was kind of bored of them. I thought, well, there's no, where's the big baddie? Where's the, where's the point of all of this? And there were underlying plots and things, but I, you know, I read Dan's review on the website and uh, I thought, oh, he doesn't seem to like it very much, and you know, maybe maybe because he's not a Berserk fan. Uh, I'll go and look at it, and I have to admit, I abandoned the manga when it got so dark that I just couldn't see the point of reading it. It was uh, Wolfsmund levels of depressing. And I just thought, oh, sod this, I'm, I'm out. But I've watched the series because I, I think, well, maybe they'll lighten it up a touch. But I thought what they have done instead is blanded it up a touch to the point where I'm thinking, people are going to walk away from this. So it's not really helping the Berserk name. The films apparently weren't all that great. Now we've got this, and you watch the original series, so much more. So, much so more a spin-off too many, do we think? Has the ca- Berserk Cash Cow finally finished? Well, they haven't even finished the manga yet. I'm, I'm struggling to see. Uh-huh. It's, it's a little bit like um, Game of Thrones, in so much as there is no positive or, or defi- definitive ending to the manga, because it's been one of these things that's been going on for you know far longer than it should, because the, the artist takes long breaks or takes a long time to bring out new, new arcs or new volumes. Um, so they can do anything they want with it really so if the TV studio decide they want to have their own ending to it much like Game of Thrones they can um, so they've got infinite possibilities that they could go down they've got a kind of a rough story structure from the manga that they can use I seem to remember in the manga there was like a very long arc when they were on a boat and given how they've handled what should have been a pretty short sort of series of events you can only imagine how they'll handle a long period of being on a boat <laughs> don't think I'm going to watch that well, it could have just turned out to be um, guts on a luxury cruise somewhere. Yeah, lucky bugger, I wish I was on a luxury cruise. But it just, <laughs> like I say, it wasn't terrible. I watched all of it. Um, I found it okay. I wouldn't buy it. I enjoyed streaming it on Crunchyroll, but I think it's one. It's kind of one for the fans. I will watch the next arc to see what they do with it, simply because I know enough about the characters to be invested to see kind of mm. what happens next. But I'm not sort of thrilled by the prospect of watching another series. I just hope they get it... Get, a bit more of that original flavour back into it. I just don't know if they can, given the way the narrative's gone. Probably not, by the sound of it. Perhaps well, it just needs a brand new reboot. Well, I can't. I just don't think the story of Berserk holds up to any more than the Golden Age arc. And then I think, really, it needed maybe one or two arcs after that to clean it up. But because it's been going on for so long now, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think we're going to end up with hundreds of arcs, uh, very much like Bleach or Naruto or something. And I don't know. I think, like, again, going back to Alita or Gunham if you're a purist um, Alita was perfect at the nine volumes it was originally sort of drawn through you know, yeah that, 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 we both agree yeah. the artist got very ill and he struggled to finish it but he gave it a definitive ending it was perfectly well encapsulated as a story and it still sounds one of the best manga stories of all time doing the, the, the follow up Alita series kind of ruined it and I'm just wondering if but that at least had a core story that started had a middle and it had an end and I think Berserk almost does in so much as it's a bit like the first Matrix movie. Uh, you, you wish the other two Matrix movies didn't exist because taken on its own, the first Matrix movie allowed you that imagination at the end where Neo just flies off into the sky. You think, wow, that's really cool. I'd love to see what happens next. But when you get served up what happens next, you don't want it. Not and I wonder, really if, I wonder if Berserk is going to be a similar sort of franchise where you get this golden age art, which is perfect as it is, and then all the infinite possibilities that are then squandered on very dull storylines coming afterwards. And I wonder if that's going to be the fate of that particular series. Sounds like it, unfortunately. Not yeah. good. Well, let's see what happens in 2017. It's apparently spring 2017 it's coming back, so keep an eye on So April. Yeah, I just thought April, May, that kind of time. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, and I will get back to you as to whether or not that's any good. 
So um, what you need is basically a throat infection in April to actually get around to watching the next one. Well, it seems to be sort of lingering, so I may still have one by then. <laughs> um, so moving on to things that are actually good, you've got your uh, massive Spice and Wolfie tome. So yeah, and tome is by far the best word for it. It's a four and a half kilo a4 sized properly bound book encapsulating all 17 volumes of the um, light novel series into a sing- into a single beast of a book mm-hmm. um, in terms of presentation I don't think you could have asked for anything better on a collector's edition the pages are immaculate the co- paper quality is super, superb to say the least I'm looking at I think it's 120 to 260 gram paper it's really nice so what do you get in this that you don't get in the other books other than massiveness well, massiveness, um, full page um, colour art, artwork, which is in full colour on every, um, pretty much probably about five or six unique pieces of artwork per story. Okay. You obviously finally have the glossary, I think it comes with a glossary at the back. I haven't actually been able to lift it and move it to actually identify it as a glossary at the back. Yeah. And finally, which I've been was asking for for a long time, which was a decent map of their entire journey from essentially where Lawrence and Harlan met to um, returning to it in the north so it's like finally I know the way everything is laid out at long last so much like the map that you get in all the J.R.R. Tolkien books you now have the Spice and Wolf equivalent I know it was just nice to be able to see everything it's just being able to read it I think is going to be a challenge it's going to have to be almost treated like a copy of the Torah I think yeah well that's that's nice just get you one of those pointy things so you exactly can I can just sit there and point it. well it was interesting because um, it's also presented rather in the columns as well so you actually yeah, so have that flicking through it. It's quite is quite interesting, I think. Yeah, it's it's a nice looking book. I mean, it does. It certainly looks like a, almost like a religious book because the the, <laughs> the quality of it, the size of it. Um, no, it's a lovely piece of work. The only thing is, with all my graphic novels on my shelves um, at home, well, the only thing I always notice is they always bow in the middle a little bit. I can only imagine what that's going to do to an IKEA bookshelf. So I think you're going to thankfully it's not a standard IKEA bookshelf. It's the hardcore Ivar ones, yeah. which are. Well, I think you yeah. almost need like granite shelving so that they're totally un- unbendable because that thing is pretty uh, pretty full on. So I'm going to have to chisel out a carve it into almost into a, a section of my wall just to have a read. Absolutely, it's a lovely looking thing. Uh, oh. You know, it's a shame mine never sort of turned up, but then you got it at bargain price and I didn't, so maybe I'm not so not so fussed. I don't think I'd read it. I think I'd just have it to say, you know, yeah. like all of my stuff. It's just like sitting on it and going, yes, I have one of those. Yeah, you know, that's true, and that's the thing. Is actually, I intend to read it because um, I've purposefully not read the last two books. I've got, I know what happens, mm. but I've I've been waiting to reread the whole thing in one go. So it might just be one of those things. Is actually, I do sit at the table and read it properly. It's definitely a sit at a table book and not sit on your lap book. But yeah, you wouldn't want to drop it, would you? Its own weight would destroy it. So, yeah, uh, and to be fair, my, it weighs more than my cats. Which... To be honest, it, it sort of looks like the sort of book you'd have to read in space if you wanted to read it comfortably. Well, absolutely. If, if we could just <laughs> hover there, it would be rather nice. But I'm, I don't think I'd be getting, um, re- getting rid of my A5 uh, light novel format versions purely because they are easy to put in your bag and you will certainly not be reading this on a train. No. Well, no. It's, this... It's a hell of a thing. Well, as I said when we were looking at it, your biggest problem is going to be uh, getting it signed at some point if one of the creators <laughs> is at a convention, because carrying that around is going to be a bloody nightmare. Well, thankfully, ho- hopefully by that time I'll have a lackey to carry it for me. Hi, James. Yeah, well, maybe. But you, see, you see one of those little sort of trolley things that people carry around, don't you? The little bag with the handle on it, like at Comicette or whatever, when they're sort of like just putting all these books in there. But uh, 
No, it's a nice piece of. It, it's, nice it's still of smaller. Though. It's still smaller than the High School of the Dead colored edi- limited editions. Oh, fair enough. Well, I've never, never I, read those. Because they are. If you have ever, having remembered um, Dan getting his signed in Animagic at uh, 2012, lugging those things around. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, so that's a challenge for you on a later date. Um, so on other news, you've been playing copycat and ordering figures that I already have. Um, Shush. So the uh, VF31J, which I managed to find for you at a decent price online for like the thirty seconds it was online for. Literally went there, bought it, click, damn it, waiting for the customs charges to hit. But that's but, the DXGO conversion, which is the nicer version of it. Uh, but the other two, the later two releases, are the I think it's the is it the thirty one S, which is Messrs the black and white version. And you've also got the, uh, I think it's Keith's um, SVS. Yes. Um, one, which is a really nice one, actually. I like it as a go walk mode, but I'm not too fussed on the other two versions. I've quite liked it as Batroid, actually, as mm. well. But it's just one of those things that these, I don't know what it is with Bandai lately, but they seem to be releasing things in such limited quantities. People are practically beating each other to death with their own shoes to get hold of one of these things. It's well, like one per customer. And uh, yeah, I'm going on Macross World Forum. People go, oh, I've got six. So it's like, you're, you're a dick bastard, then. yeah. <laughs> But no, you know, a shortage. But we say all this, and knowing full well that we're due to get new Macross in 2018. Now that's true. Well, we can. Uh, we'll be talking more about that later. But the uh, I, it's funny the, the Mirage figure art figure that I'm, I saw, not the uh, prize figure version, which is nice to see her in a kind of like a non-pilot suit, SMS or whatever it is, uniform, uh, Delta uniform, is quite a nice figure, but just not very nicely produced. Yeah. Um, but the figure arts one we've got of her in a flight suit is actually quite a nice model and it's fun when I was looking around and I keep an eye on the um, usual haunts like Hobby Link Japan or Ami Ami or Nippon Yasan for, for any of these Chagokins to come up is the sheer amount of uh, Delta figures that are now coming out which seems almost ironic given that the series is finished and as you say a new one's been announced so you've got things like Mirage dressed as one of the Valkyrie uh, girls looking incredibly embarrassed and it is yeah. very adorable let's be honest well it is but it's not it's not my kind of thing no, it's, it's... I can see the appeal but now you're getting your like your posable figures coming out of um, you know the two main girls in it um, uh, you'll get it you've got the Valkyrie sitting figures now which are slowly moving out oh right no, so sure. those are all um, um, I think certainly Nicomo Freya and Who's the chesty one whose name I've completely forgot? But those, okay, I know those. Chesty one. Yep. Well, the big chesty one. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, the, the, there are a lot, there's a lot more coming out for it now, but it seems, unless the next series is going to be including them as characters, it seems like an, they're having to cram a lot in before it becomes irrelevant. Or at least well, for a series that was not ended terribly well, um, I don't know. It's, it, just, it just seems like uh, Delta has kind of turned up with almost no merchandising at all suddenly it finishes and we get crap loads of merchandising and then in another sort of 12 months time it'll be forgotten because it'll be about the new series and I just wonder if Bandai are going to do the same thing then when they just sort of um, don't get the merchandise out in time which is a really very odd thing for them to have done well I can see it happening to be fair um, but they need to sort themselves out I'm going to give them a slap um, and uh, get out yeah, well it just means that if they, they'll probably not produce as many units which means that the units we do have will probably get be worth more yeah, that's possibly. not a bad thing I mean they don't tend to re-release the Chagokins that's the thing so yeah. when you look at uh, the fact that you've got the 31J the chances of them re-releasing that in the next five years are very minimal so at least it will hold its value but you're talking if you buy it from Japan you're looking at about 160 quid plus the shipping if you buy it 
anywhere else second market or literally when the scalpers got their hands on it you're looking at about 260 I think I managed to pick mine up for a little over 200 um, when I got mine and it was off a guy on eBay and it was brand new it wasn't a sort of a second hand one or anything um, it, they are expensive and you think there's five of these bloody things in one platoon plus then you've got the enemy ships you're looking at a couple of grand to get this series sort of properly jagokined up yeah but um, then again it, it, look at how much the Frontiers cost because mm -hmm. you had um between uh, Michael's and... Um, well, you had four, didn't you, there? You had Michael, you? I thought you had five. You had Michael Osmer, you had the uh, young chap that had the recon, and then you had Alto, and I can't think of anybody else. But wasn't there two versions of Alto? Because um, didn't they make a movie version as well when he got the upgraded fighter? They may have done, but I think the movie version was just the add-on packs. I think it was still the same core. Ah, right, figure, so, the, so they the did it The side didn't way. change. Mm -hmm. Um, but the yeah, so there was four there. So it was still a hefty thing. But you weren't buying you weren't buying Vajras, were you? So what they've done with Delta is they've created two different distinctive-looking uh, Valkyries, assigned a bunch to either side of the fight, so that you've really you've got probably about five on one side, five on the other. So that's ten. So you're already looking at two and a half thousand probably. And that's, to get and, and and that's not including new UN space, the nuns fleet either, you know. No, well those, those really are the seventeens, aren't they? But they're nice enough. I mean they've they've been around a while, but um yeah, there's there's, there's some interesting stuff. What what interested me in Delta was that you didn't see the twenty fives anywhere. Yeah, I thought and, you did see the twenty fives because you had the one seven you had the nuns one seven ones, a lot of those were around. Yeah. And I thought they also had a platoon of twenty fives which came in halfway through and got blasted to pieces. I don't remember seeing those, but you might be right. Mm. I mean it was um it's, it's, it's a while ago since I've seen it now, but yeah, it, it's um, yeah, a strange, strange sort of investment, and I don't know what they're going to do for the next year. But we'll get onto that later. So you were looking at something called Show by Rock. Yeah, it's a review copy that came in. Unfortunately, I'm a week behind on it at the moment because it's been out a week. But it's basically, I, I, as you probably well, I love my musical shows, hence why Delta has such appeal to me. Mm -hmm. And this is another one of those series where essentially you have a cast, they are producing unique songs. This is one of the few series which I've actually seen has English translated songs. Mm -hmm. So the English dub actually has a full set of music which is, is similar but different to the Japanese dub. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to watch it in both at the moment just to see what the differences are. And it's essentially... Uh, the female protagonist gets transported into a virtual world. It's a strange combination of very obvious CGI characters, but at the same time, sell uh, animated CGI, basically fighting evil bad guys who are basically and trying to rescue friends who have been turned into these bad guys. And it's just cute, actually. <laughs> it is a really sweet little show. It's very, very pretty, and many of the songs are actually really toe-tapping. It's quite. Addictive in its own little way. And whereabouts does that come from? Who's releasing it? Uh, I can't remember which one of the three companies it is, actually. But it is a physical release. It is a physical release in the UK. I believe it got um, streamed a couple of years ago, but it's come out as a Blu ray and it's um, really good, actually. So uh -huh. he says, having a quick look. Uh, yeah, but it's, at the moment, we've only got season one, obviously. I think season two is due to be released later. It sort of strikes me as a Funimation style thing. But, yeah, I think um, it might be actually. Yeah, um, looking at it. So, but it's um. Well, it's on Crunchyroll. Yeah, it still is on Crunchyroll, but it's um, been reanimated, I think, since Crunchyroll. Oh really? Um, God, they keep redoing these things. Well, they kind of have to, you know. So it's uh, the collector's edition. Have a look at it. Is really quite pretty. Um, yeah, I was right. It was Funimation UK. So, so it would be an anime. So it's an uh, anime limited. Um, but it's a really pretty set. 
Hmm. Oh, well, I shall uh, take that uh, under advisement. I'm not always a big fan of cutesy shows, but I know it is very cutesy. It obviously ticks my box because uh, um, the main character, uh, when she get, gets transformed into this uh, virtual world, she comes as a cat girl. So it's basically there you go, seven box ticked. Here you go, have it, enjoy it, and I do. So yeah, can't Fair help enough. it. Um, cool. Well, speaking of things that are going to be reviewing soon, I've uh, downloaded my copy of Dragon Ball Fusions for the 3DS. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have a look at that, which is kind of a cross between an RPG, a Pokemon style game, and a fighting game. How the hell does it combine into a Pokemon style game? We'll find out when I do the review. But I think you catch things and train them up, and then uh, fight with them. So it's just so you're going to catch you're going to catch a Krillin and uh, train Krillin up and try and kill him a few times, resurrect him, and beat the hell out of him. Well, according to the blurb, it combines fighting, customization and collecting elements to bring Dragon Ball to the next level. That sounds very special. It also sounds like it would be good as a uh, freemium game as well. <laughs> no, it's, it, a lot of people said it's pretty good. It's turn-based combat. I'm fine with that. I've played enough games to be uh, okay with it. Oh. I mean, for, for example, I mean, I, I really love the um, Project Cross Zone games on the 3DS. That's true, yeah. They're pretty much the only games that make the 3DS bloody worth owning at this point. But, I mean... Um, if this is anything like as good as that, then it'll be great. I'm not the world's biggest Dragon Ball fan. I've never really found the style to be terribly appealing, but I will give it a go, and I'll be fair with it. So let's see if it's any good. I'm saying that. We're all having a re- well, at least a reasonable go of games, so Gravity Rush 2 is going to get hit, and finally playing the Valkyrie Drive game and the, and the Vita. Cause Very good. Well, I've, got, I've got Blaz Blue, the latest incarnation of that, whatever the hell it's called, to power through. But one thing that is quite pleasing with that game is there's finally a decent roster of characters on it now is there a, yet a decent tutorial to tell you how to bloody play the damn characters well, there, there usually is to be fair in all these games and they've also got a story catch up mode which allows you to sort of figure out what the hell's going on but oh, I mean, that's good art do tend to start new games off with limited characters and expand over time because they again art build uh, battlers like this for uh, tournament play so they want people to get so good with the characters that they have that you know when you do throw a new character in, it totally throws the you know the dynamics and you've got to completely reconfigure your attack style. Now if there was 30, 40 characters from day one, it would be a very difficult thing to pull off. No one's got that much free time. Um, so I can understand the approach, but for me, because I like variety, um, I like to have as many fighters as possible because I'm not a tournament player. No. So it's probably not aimed at me so much. I'm a casual. Uh, You're also and, not James. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not James. Well, I mean, again, he doesn't play it so much now either. He's an Overwatch uh, fiend Whore. now. So he's, uh, <laughs> yes, he's, he's, he's been lost to the Overwatches. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of those games that, again, I've, I've enjoyed what I've played of it so far. I want to get through all the new characters so I can form a decent opinion. Uh, I've been playing this game for years. I've met the people that made it, so I've got, I'm pretty well placed to, uh, uh, you know, get in there and give it a good drubbing. So I'll let you know how I get on with it. Um, one day I'll actually play an arc fighter and actually do reasonably well at it you never know but it does take a little bit of getting uh, getting to grips with but there's, there's so many great fighters out now on all platforms that you kind of sport for choice I mean I've got a load on this PC right here which I haven't tried yet and I've even picked up one of those uh, Steam controllers so I can play it properly um, and at some point I'll turn that on and try it but you know life, <laughs> this magical is... thing called time yeah unfortunately you get to wire age there isn't much free time anymore but uh, yeah. one thing we are making time for it's a smooth transition it's very good I did see that uh, well done 
Uh, is we're making time for going to Cosplay Con in Sheffield in June, and we're going to have a little stand there. We haven't mentioned this before, but we're going to have a stand there. We're going to be selling some really cool Japanese stuff we picked up on our travels. Um, we're going to be representing MVM while we're there. So if you want your MVM bargains, we'll be uh, sort of hawking them there. We'll no doubt be taking cosplay photos in front of the stands because why the hell not? That's true because we're going to have our new banner there. So yep. it's very obvious where we are from now on. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It was it was really good last time. There was some cool stuff there. We've got the I think this year they've got the guy that sang. The, uh, who the hell was it? Was it the original Power Rangers theme? Oh god, him, yeah. Uh, and he's going to be doing it, doing that on stage. So I'll be filming the hell out of that. And, well, uh, James will obviously be up there salivating, even though it's not true Power Rangers because it'll be the, probably the state US version, but it'll still be there. Yeah, well, you know, maybe he'll just get in his you know Power Rangers pajamas. They look about as authentic as anything, and go up and bop around on stage like a crazy. Oh, god, thing. no, I didn't want to think of James in his pajamas. Yeah, Why? Okay. Why? But yeah, so uh, that'll be well worth going to. We'll be talking about more about that as we get closer to it. But uh, also look out on the website. I've done an interview with the uh, founders of the uh, convention. So you can find out a bit more about what's going to be there and um, see some pictures of what you can expect. So check the website out probably shortly after this podcast has gone live because I've nearly finished it. Oh, that's good to go then. Yes, it is. So, uh, finally on this, while well, my voice holds out, since I'm not on my peak capacity for... Uh, no, your, your voice away. tends to be uh, breaking a bit today. Yes, well, you know, I just think it sounds sexy, so calm yourself, ladies. Um, <laughs> so, I thought we'd talk about, given that we've, we've spoken, uh, as we always do, comprehensively about Macross... Um, with the Deltas <laughs> as and we the new do. series yeah well you know one day we'll find another fandom that uh, both you and I can indulge ourselves in but you know what it ain't gonna happen anytime soon not with the amount of time we have no not unless Berserk improves massively which um, we won't no probably won't okay so we, we thought for this particular podcast now that we've chatted and caught up and talked about the things that are happening in the wider world is discuss some ideas we might have for the next Macross TV series which will be airing in 2018 which is a very short break from Delta because the gap between Frontier and Delta I believe was eight years it was yeah which is an insanely long time uh, I, well, didn't, I didn't think it was it anywhere didn't, like that I thought well, it was like three years it was well that's only because of the films yeah it's just I think and partly, the 30th anniversary of course yeah and I think also the fact that whenever we've been in Japan it's Frontier has been massively represented everywhere we've been whether it's toys or books or soundtracks or whatever it just seems to me that you can't escape Frontier and that's not a bad thing no, but I started watching that series again as well, and I have to say, having seen Delta and now going back to watch Frontier, Frontier is so much better on every level that I just think, whatever happens in 2018, they're really going to have to work hard so that it's not just as good as Delta, but actually back to Frontier levels being good. Well, that's that entirely depends on uh, what take they take on the story, whether they stick with, let's be honest, they made a formula for Frontier, and they try to apply the formula to Delta. Well, I don't know if they did. I think Delta was more of a... Um, I, it was like a cross between Love Live and Macross. <laughs> because really, if you look at it, nowhere else in Macross have you ever had uh, a group of idols. You've only ever had the one or I, two I was kind of thinking of the... Uh, f- I was actually kind of thinking of the uh, core story. So male protagonist meets female protagonist. Gets uh, into a kind of... Uh, learns how to... Fu- fu- um, yeah, she, she's flyer. linked to whatever the big problem is. Yes, exactly. So, and which, tropes, yes, I, yes I which is exactly which is exactly the same uh, trope that Frontier played. 
Uh, yes, it is. So, I mean, they have. I mean, even the ending is very similar to exactly. France, yeah, so I th- actually was. think they did it. It was very cookie cutter in that kind of respect. So yeah, I think what, they sort of changed the dynamic, but they didn't change the story. So there's yes. a different sort of uh, thing. And I, I do looking at the Chagokins coming out now. I do think this is such a cash grab. It's almost designed to spin money out. Of people. course, it was designed to spin it. And you know what? I've fallen for it hook, line, and sinker because I've pretty much sat there and said, you know what? I have absolutely loved Valkyrie, and that was the best idea, and I love them to bits. So I don't care how good. There. I'm not buying five of the same bloody. Uh, I'm not Chigokin buying. No, I'm not buying head. the Chigokins, but I may end up buying the Idol Group because you know what? They are actually the character design is still pretty much mm. supreme. I would, I would rather like the Mirage uh, Valkyrie. That way, I can have the same Valkyrie in different modes. I mean, that's one saving grace is the three different ways to display it. But um, <laughs> you know, it's. I don't think you'll get them on one soft level of a debt off. I mean. The Chagokins are not small. No, they're not, but I could always use the big green ones I get from my kit. I'm, I'm going to be hopefully moving and changing my display options at some point anyway, but we'll, we'll, we'll get on to that. But the reason I sort of bring Macross up, and I don't know how much homework you've done for this, oh, is God. we thought we'd sort of share our ideas for what would make a good sort of Macross series in 2018. So, you know, you've already heard most of my ideas. If you want to nick any of it, now's the time to do it. Well, I said my, my, my key thing is getting away from the tropes. So we've already played, well, I almost keep, we all, we're both in agreement pretty much that uh, after Delta and after Frontier, there is seriously something corrupt and there's going to have to be a change. Obviously, that's mostly where yours is kicking in. But what I want is, is, to see is, well, sod someone trying to learn how to, how to fly a plane. You want someone who's already been flying it for years, probably at the end of retirement. And at the end of the retirement, isn't that retired? Well, well <laughs> at the end of their career, but I was kind of, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'd like to see Die Hard Macross. <laughs> so, so, is that just going to be somebody in a Valkyrie in a giant ship trying to get, trying to kill all of the bad guys? Absolutely. So, so you want a smaller story, basically? I want a much smaller into. story, but I also don't want it to be a love triangle anymore. I'm done with love triangles. Yeah, I suppose the one I'd like that was a love triangle was plus because it was reversed. So you had two guys and a woman. That was exactly that was great. But we've done the we've done from the frontier trope twice now. Mm. Obviously, Macro Seven didn't rely on any of those kind of tropes because Basara was just a dick. Um, I didn't yeah. I didn't care about anything except music. I, I still think music is pre, is still one of the, obviously the major core elements. So but die hard with singing. I think so. I think that could work. Yeah. I was sat there thinking, you know what, I, the, the kind of it could be sat flying around, let's say, and YF nineteen. Well, it's a it's a thirty fifth anniversary. So how would you tie it oh. into the other Macross timeline? Because that, that that will be the thing. If they're doing it in twenty eighteen yeah. to hit the thirty fifth, it's going to have to have some sort of um, links to the past. So what 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 key Macross mythos elements would you pick up to sort of run within your Die Hard in a Valkyrie in a bigger ship show? Sure, sure. Damn it! You, I forgot it was the thirty fifth inter. Oh, because yeah, that's the problem. Is is actually will this be the year that actually Macross finishes? This could be an end. Because actually, if you think about it, we've we've essentially established that the universe, the universe, well, the galaxy has been populated. You know, you saw the ma- uh, halfway point of Delta. You saw essentially where the entire fleet ended up. Hmm. You've seen the extent of humanity, and for all intents and purposes, humanity has spread across more than half of the uh, Milky Way galaxy. Hmm. So. Is this possibly the time where everything's going to say, right, let's come back and consolidate? We've obviously done now two series where obviously the fold space has kicked in. Mind control has played a part now in two storylines. Mm-hmm. 
then ob- and obviously the protoculture has kicked you know we've explored so much of the protoculture you mean another idea would be what if the protoculture came back hmm. now that's a so story maybe, maybe you're stuck in a giant protoculture oh my god perhaps you were just in a protoculture petri dish yeah um, <laughs> uh, maybe that maybe that is how you sort of link it on like men in black style sort of yeah pan I've, out I've, and you're actually in a giant protoculture that could be kind of cool. That's, you know, dancing in a disco. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Your idea, I know, is already much better, and I think we should probably bounce <laughs> off this, because you've actually you actually had some seriously fanboyish thinking about this. No, well, I, I looked at it as sort of like, it's, a, it's an anniversary show. The 30th uh, anniversary game, Macross 30, was canon, uh, and it had some interesting insights into it, because just like um, with Frontier, in so much as the Galaxy was kind of like a rogue fleet, and in uh, Delta, you had the new UN Spacey being the bad guys, effectively, as a, uh, a force that was moving without really the interest of the people involved. Well, that was also the case in Frontier as well, in some well, that, cases, yeah. Yeah, there, there was that. But also in mm. the 30th anniversary, that was the case as well. There was a, like a rogue NUNS faction that they were fighting against. I haven't played the game, but I've read the synopsis. It sounds great. I wish I could read Japanese. So... Given that it's a um, basically, you're getting to a point where it's an almost totalitarian government, and as you say, people are settling on various planets. So the expansion of humanity is now sort of taking place. So my um, idea for Macross was to take that to the next logical step, where the NUNS is set up as a dictatorial government, and they are now starting to turn on their own people. So instead of having an external threat like the Vajra or um, you know Windermere. the Proto Devilne or uh, Windermere, but, um, <laughs> so. Rather than that, it's actually humanity versus humanity. And I sort of hark back to the classic, um, uh, what's it called, Babylon 5 arc, where it's Babylon 5 versus Earth. So my idea was to have certain elements of uh, the Macross fleets banding together to fight the NUNS, who are now this sort of bunch of dicks going around taking over and uh, causing you know people to suffer and sort of rationing food and things like that and basically subjugating this expanded sort of humanity uh, through control of rations and all that sort of stuff so you'd almost have like a rebel faction within humanity so fighting. it's almost Macross Gundam well it's, it's more like Macross uh, Babylon 5 so it's essentially it's economies versus the old earth yeah effectively yeah. so you you because that would give you a couple of things first of all it would give you uh, links to all the old series so my sort of rebel faction would be the uh, Macross 7 fleet where Melen would now be the mayor and Gamlin would be in charge of the military forces and hopefully Neki Basar is dead because uh, he's such an ass. He's probably shagged a proto-devlin somewhere at some well, point. Well, my, my thing at the time when we first discussed this was uh, that they would basically be like the Rolling Stones. So I was thinking Neki <laughs> Basar yes. being like uh, Keith Moon or whatever. Just, <laughs> to, be fa- uh, to be fair, Firebomber is still one of the by far one of the best musical acts in the Macross. And you know what? I like it. I totally think they could be the st- Rolling Stones because if you think they have been referenced in Frontier and now Delta very heavily. Very true. You know, their songs are used as sort of formation patterns and things. It is, um, yeah. uh, it is it is a good thing. So you start off with that would be the central conceit would be Malen would be running the, uh, the the resistance and you could have the frontier fleet who's already fought the galaxy and you know knows that something's rotten in Denmark and then you could, if you wanted to and I'm not you know not saying this is something you should do but you could technically bring Delta back in if Valkyrie are popular enough well, it'll to be do ca- it'll be chaos won't it really? but, yeah. but that's the thing is chaos, actually, SMS and the that's the thing you do have military contractors so actually it could be a case that uh, well the, the reason I bring Melen into it is because you could 
dump Delta but bring Mirage back in as she's a genius uh, and then <laughs> what I would like to see actually is almost like a legacy because the, the thing that runs through all these series apart from Frontier really is the genius family name because yeah. you've got Maximilian on Macross 7 you and Milan you've got uh, Mirage in uh, Delta um, you have in, I think which one was it? I think in uh, Frontier and I'm probably wrong but it could be some of the testing planes that when they're learning how to fly are the uh, Maximilian Planes. Yes, they are. So you've got you do have this thing. So I'd like to see like the uh, Maximilian's kids coming out to kick some ass and sort of getting everybody together. So and I'd also include um, your sort of pilot uh, in sort of like the, the twilight of his career <laughs> by having a Samu in there because he'd be oh, awesome. Yes, yes. And he he could lead his own sort of like rebel faction. He could be like the rogue one of the of the uh, thing. And what that would give you scope to do because you've got like this this rebel fleet that would probably be hiding somewhere in fold space. Because you've got all these fault faults, so they'd be very hard to find if they went in. And that was a big thing in Frontier, where they said, oh, we could move around much faster if we went for all these fault faults. But I think there's a reason those are there, and that would be what they'd cloak in. A little bit like the Shadows in B5, I guess. So you think, so there's your, there's your hyperspace, basically. There's your hyperspace, yeah. So that, that would be where they were hiding. And they would broadcast uh, their sort of resistance to NUNS on their own sort of frequency, which is why I would call this series Macross Revolution Radio. Yes. Which is a really cool title. And also Nick from a Green Day album. But... Um, it is. I think it'd be a really good idea because it, it, it encompasses the music element of it. So they'd be broadcasting their resistance to the NUNS. They'd be going and doing sort of hit and runs. So in terms of a series, you could set it up where you've got three or four episodes which are one mission and then three or four episodes a different mission and you could split the characters around and mix them up and sort mm-hmm. of send them all over. So you'd have scope for some um, basically variety in the show. Yeah. And I'd do it over two arcs. So the first arc would be they're doing hit and run and they're trying to get the um, you know the supplies that are needed to the colonies that are being made to suffer because they're not doing whatever it is NUNS wants. So let's say you've got a scientific colony, NUNS wants all of their achievements, things to be kept private and only go to the top brass, whereas it's stuff that can help everybody. Um, so this is this is basically what Milan is trying to do is trying to you know safeguard the Democra- democratize what was supposed to be a democracy and has turned into a totalitarianism. Yeah, pretty much. And so then what you do is you would get to the halfway point and essentially the rebellion f- fleet is fucked at this point because they don't have the resources to fight the entire rest of humanity. The, re- the you know the raids are costing them resources and things. It's you know they're losing ships as they're doing all this stuff. And while they're scoring small victories, that you know they're getting depleted, so they don't have the the manpower, the machinery, or the you know even the willpower towards the end of it to actually get this going. And obviously, but- then the NUS massive ma- has all obviously dozens of macros battleships and they find them yeah Yeah, so they're they're coming after them so you'd get to this midway point where you'd have this basically last stand of the sort of like the the rebel fleet against the NUNS and that's when I'd link it back to Macross series one because while Milen has been broadcasting with her team this this frequency with all these updates um, you get to this massive battle Milen's team's basically knackered uh, and it's all coming down to the last sort of they're all about to fire and then you get Fold space just suddenly opens up and you get the Mega Road One comes out <laughs> and just kicks fucking ass. So you get the d- the original of the Macross, original Macross yeah. um, team coming out and the way they found their way back through getting lost in all these fold faults is following this signal from the Revolution Radio team. So they found their way back and they're disgusted at what NUNS has become. Um, they've got all the old school mecha, but it's been kind of like tinkered with and tooled up. So while they've they've made their own advancements but separate to what the other people have done so you then get three sets of um, mecha really you get the rebels uh, guys which would probably have lots of Valkyries with custom paint jobs and stuff so collectors will love that 
then you get like the original Valkyries with you know really cool sort of almost like um, I think like the Ghostbusters proton packs of sort of just stuff just chucked onto them to make them sort of like more powerful but it's not as refined as then say the NUNS fleet which would be like cutting edge state of the art things coming after them then you just basically get this uh, you know that the revolution radio would be sort of boosted the morale boost and the, the fact that the legitimacy of the original crew mm. uh, and probably their descendants so you might have uh, Hikaru Misa's uh, kids now in control of the fleet while they're retired if you didn't want to bring the original characters back you could definitely have their kids mm -hmm. they would then link up with Max and Millia's kids so you'd have like you know um, Hikaru and um, Max's sort of descendants making a bing noise thank you creative cloud so you you would then so then that would then just galvanize some of the other planets and then you would have a proper sort of even fight which you could then play out across the second arc to the point where they take control of NUNS and democratize the thing to a point and, and just probably separate things into uh, clusters so that you can't have this one totalitarian regime and checks and balances and I think if you did that you could mix everything together you'd have it would give like for example Lady M mystery on um, Delta Delta, which you know it sounds like she's working for the government when you think about it because really? Mikamo uh, is, is a weapon yes a, she is yeah. a weaponized singer uh, which Lady M has there really is something about the entire series under Lady M though isn't it well you've got Milen could, could be Lady <laughs> Milen she could be weaponizing oh music oh my god so that's a terrifying thought um, and what about um, from uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, bloody hell, Macross Plus. Yep. Uh, it got Mune. Yes. So it uh, could be Lady Mune fan line. You don't know. could be her weaponizing music because Sharon Apple's influence is oh, sort that's of That's actually a good point, yeah. So you've got two main songstresses there that doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, our original songstress. No. So there's lots of there's lots of potential there. There's loads of mecha. There's loads of merchandising possibilities. Uh, and it sits entirely within what Shoji Kawamori would likely write because essentially you are looking at conflict to form unification yeah. and because he is basically a massive softie like the rest of us so. and you would get some awesome concerts out of it and like I say if you split the first arc up into various different raids sponsored or I suppose by various different singing groups you could have your Valkyrie arc you could have your Firebomber arc which and I think Firebomber would be a perfect uh, accompaniment to uh, Asamu because with them being like the Rolling yeah. Stones of music then you've got Isami going out there, sort of like old school, um, you know, one last hurrah, uh, sort of I'm going to you know, finish my mission and, and sort of retire kind of thing, or go out in a blaze of glory, which is kind of how I imagine him going Pine out. He'll, he'll go out in a pineapple salad, let's be honest, because in all this, you have to have your pineapple salad somewhere. Well, possibly, but I don't think that'd be a really good ending for him. I, think, I, know, I know he's like the Roy Fokker type, but he's not a big brother type. He's not particularly sort of, he don't give a toss about anybody else. Oh. So I just see him as less pineapple salad, more just sort of like splattered against the side of an NUNS ship. So, <laughs> or flying into it to detonate a nuclear bomb or something along those lines. Yeah, I can see that. I just sort of see him sort of going in for that sort of last, uh, you know, this, they'll remember me for this kind of bang. Yeah. Um, but that that's kind of how I would run my sort of Macross 35th anniversary series is just to sort of bring everything together and the only thing I think and I was listening to a um, podcast called Information High which is very good they've got this uh, I can't remember the names of the people in it but I know one is a prominent cosplayer and she's you know quite uh, well versed in all things Macross and a couple of guys that she, she speaks to um, and they had some uh, interesting ideas. I mean, one of the ones they wanted to do was like a racing series for Macross, but to me, I thought that's, no, that's not that's much of a waste. But It'll just turn into red line in space, which you hate. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'd sleep through it, so I'd get a good night's sleep at least. But the, the thing that they were talking about was that some of these 
sort of cryptic callbacks to earlier series are really there for older fans who go, yeah, we remember you, but not really care about you so much with the storyline. We just want to focus on the core story that gets new fans in. Um, and I think if you're going to do this kind of mix of everything, the 35th mm. anniversary is the time to do it. Um, and I'm sure if, if one of the characters just is going, oh, it's the mysterious lost fleet that had the original Macross, and nobody, nobody's going to go, oh, no, I don't know anything about that. I'm going to turn off. They'd be like, oh, I'm going to go and buy the original Macross series on Blu-ray so I can see about who all these characters were and where they come from. And let's be honest, we just want another STF-1 to put in a cabinet. Uh, well, I've got enough STF-1, I think, for my cabinet. It's, it's perfect size. I know. I'm still jealous. Still jelly. It is nice. It, it sits there with its nice little high-metal um, uh, VF-1J. Yeah. I didn't know how expensive those were. I bought those off of uh, a guy called Tommy um, on one of the Mecca sort of uh, things on Facebook, and he's a really nice guy. And he sold it to me for about 100 quid, I think it was, or 90 quid. And I thought, oh, that seems reasonable. I don't know what it's going to be like. I've never seen one of these things before it came through. These things are like 260 quid. So he did a you know, solid favour there. I wasn't expecting it. But that is, you know, I got that for an absolute bargain price. But he bought it while in Hong Kong. So it probably only cost him about that when he bought it, to be fair. But I've been looking these things up because I think these are a really perfect scale. They're nice and weighty. You get lots of display options in them. I was never really into the original Macross look. It was always very gritty. And yeah. when I was growing up, I was more of a Transformers guy, so I liked my mecha look shiny and stuff. But going back to it now, I can sort of really see the appeal of those original designs. And they've probably elongated the legs a bit, and they're a little less clunky now, and probably look a little bit more anime. Um, but they are pretty solid designs. They still stand up. Yeah, I mean they every they they call back to those designs even in the most in the most recent works mm. all the time. Yeah, that's true. I mean they they are usually used as kind of like training vehicles now or um mm. you know this is you know these were the original ones that they learned to fly in so it'll be slower and everything, but they are kind of cool. Well, they are also an absolute sod to fly in the uh, games, let's be honest. Yeah, I suppose you can upgrade them. I haven't got that far. I've got to find my PS Vita again for that. But um, yeah. <laughs> Only you could lose a PS Vita. Well, I'd live out of a car. What do you expect? It's probably falling out when I've opened the door. Um, I've got the other one. Fuck it. It's not irreplaceable. It's just annoying. Uh, but they are uh, really cool, kind of cool design. And I do think they would mix, as they have done already, I guess, uh, in with the rest of the series. Um, I mean, I one of the reasons I don't want to get all the Chagokins is the um, I picked up the... Uh, VF30, which was from the Macross 30 game, which is not dissimilar in all honesty to the 31s. And I think does, I, I, thought, I didn't think the 30, uh, the one, the 30 had the sweat wings. It doesn't. It's, that's the only difference. Though, so really. like, well, in, yeah. in terms of the actual body design and the transformation, they are almost identical. Yeah. Um, except for the 31, Chagokin has a much better locking mechanism for the central chest, and the 30 comes with a clip that you can put in there to mosh it all together. The 31 doesn't need it. But my 30 seems to hang together well enough without the clip or anything. So it looks fine. It's in a cabinet. It's you know still holding its gun aloft in the same way it was before. And so the joints haven't gotten any looser. I posted a couple of pictures on Macross World of my you know very meager Macross collection. And they were all like, oh, see, the arms have held up pretty well. I know that they were a problem for most people. But yeah. I must have had two decent ones. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of think the... I didn't want to get like the Messer version of the 31. Because it's the same colour really as the 30. And they're very similar thing. When you think about it, you're spending 150 quid plus on these things at the bare minimum. Um, it's a hell of an investment. They are awfully pretty, though. Oh, they are. I mean, they are probably <laughs> the high, high end of um, collectible stuff. They're, they're like the hot toys of, of sort of robots. Um, and they are great. I, I really like them. But the hot toys also need to make robots. Possibly. I don't know if they're. That aren't I, man? 
Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if they're really good enough. They do really nice paint jobs and they do nice sculpts, but transforming robots is a totally different... Uh, no, no, don't, I wasn't suggesting transforming. I'm thinking fixed poses, but yeah. I don't know how good they'd be at that. I'd, I'd maybe see a Terminator that they did to, to start them off with something relatively straightforward and, and Actually, see how they go yeah. from there. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think robots are a, a very sort of niche sort of market I think I'd love to see more Hot Toys vehicles I'd love to see like a Hot Toys Battlestar Galactica from the original series I think that'd be pretty awesome oh god yes <laughs> I would have that because those Vipers that we got apparently from that series they're supposed to be doing a because it, what we have are model kits that are pre-assembled yeah um, which is great because I suck at making model kits and try my best but I'm not that great um, and they're supposed to be doing a Galactica <gasps> in the same series which is the model kit which you can get anyway but properly done up yeah, and I'd get that because I think it's a beautiful design. Uh, the spe- original Galactica, absolutely, yeah. So you know, I'd, I'd go for yeah. something like that. But again, uh, you're probably looking well over 100, 200 quid for that. But I'd, I'd consider spending it. Yeah. Uh, but that's the problem. There's always something awesome coming out that you can spend your money on. I know that is the problem, especially in a fandom. Yeah, I mean, I own three Hot Toys, and I really no desire to own any more unless I see a particularly bargainous one. And the thing that always makes me grin is that you see things like the Scarlet Witch you can pick up for. Uh, maybe 70, 80 quid yep. but you go for the Pepper Pops and you're looking 200 pounds easily and it's the same bloody thing it's just a different you know, head sculpt and hair uh, and different clothes on it but you get more clothes with the Scarlet Witch model so it really all comes down to the popularity of the character it does yeah I mean Pepper Pops by far much, more be- much better character than Scarlet Witch yeah I think they did a really good job with the sculpt as well but it works really well because I've got two Iron Men I've got three and four the, the marks and the three is the metal version and the four is the plastic version before they did metal ones um, and yeah it's, it's a really nice sculpt it's beautifully put together there's loads of attention to detail to it and they are works of art but my budget is limited on that sort of thing if I, I've seen people that have just got every single Hot Toys release since day one and those people must have more money than Bill Gates because Christ knows how they afford it. Either that, they never go anywhere or do anything. Well, to be fair, we went at that uh, barring Hander had a hell of a lot of hot toys. Uh, they did, but then that's a business, so you can sort of see why they put those in there. And I they know. still didn't have a transforming uh, Dominator, so, you know, they're not that great. Oh, fair do. They're not all that. Uh, I think one or two really nice exemplary pieces in your collection is pretty cool, but um, I that's don't... what the thirty-one is going to be. Yeah, I mean it is. It will look it will look very nice in here. I mean, you just got to find a shelf for it. You, you yeah, I need to work out. I'm gonna be uh, reshuffling when uh, Mirage and the thirty-one. I'm saying that I've got my uh, Kongiku from uh, Miramasa due to arrive in the next month or two. You just need another cabinet along that wall. There. Don't say that. It's, easy. <laughs> it's only forty quid. You'll be fine. Don't say that. Um, but yeah, so that, that anyway, so wrap, wrap this up before we get into shopping lists again and buying stuff off eBay. Um, yeah, so that, that's really my thoughts on Macross. Uh, so we've got uh, Die Hard Macross in space uh, with a giant dancing disco protoculture. And then we've got the Rebel Revolution Radio uh, series where everything goes to hell and Macross Minecraft. Rebels. Yeah, it <laughs> is. But I, just, I just think Macross Rebel Radio is just awesome title as long as as long as you keep it different di- um, um, apart from uh, the storylines used in Gundam and they just don't start following any of the uh, oh it's not going to be it's not going to be like uh, Zaft versus you that's know, kind EDF. of that's where I can kind of see it as long as yeah. they don't avoid, avoid avoid those tropes yeah let's say I think the thing about uh, and I don't know a lot of Gundam I know uh, Seed because I love Seed and I haven't really seen any others but I'm aware of them uh, really for me was Seed was a chase movie and as was the original Gundam where they go from the colony to space to Earth back to space again 
Um, and I just, I, that to me was a pretty unique series, but it didn't have the kind of um, music element of it where you are running a radio station in order to inform the underground and mm. put music out there and, you know, the whole sort of deculture thing. Uh, and holding concerts to raise money to fund the rebellion and that, you know things like that, like they did actually really with um, Delta when Valkyrie were holding concerts yeah, to get people to throw money at them to fund getting all the bits Yuck, of pieces. Dick culture. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my dick culture. Um, that thing. I don't address that cheaply. So it was, yeah, it was. I'm thinking, you know, even those elements you can pull forward. So I think you can do it without falling into the Gundam territory. But I, I am tired in Macross of these otherworldly alien threats if you want to bring the protoculture into it then probably um, I would expand on what you were sort of suggesting but have the protoculture as a proper faction so you might start off with like a small cast that are dealing with a sort of like a very insular problem that's not galaxy spanning but it turns into something where they may be so almost think of it like macros archaeology so macros indiana jones oh and that could be good so they've got and that, then they can uncover uncover the, something that then launches because you've already had working protoculture ships in delta and i think i can't remember in uh zero you did have the giant protoculture thing so you could have them awaken the protoculture by accident and it could come back like the volons yeah, or, or the shadows, which well, is a bit actually, more... that's a good one. Since we're both Babylon Five freaks as well, yeah. So, you so can... would the protoculture be Volan or would they be shadows? Well, that's what you'd have to find out. I mean, I they, they created mankind, but what for? Almost like Prometheus, really. Well, they, they created the Zentradi. They did, yep, to use as war machines. So they were. I mean, and the protoculture, as far as I recall, were wiped out by their own fighting. So they, they weren't. Um... So actually, they could have both. Yeah, yeah so you could have two factions of uh, protoculture. Ooh. And then humanity gets caught in the middle of it. If you want to have your big bad, that's how I would do it. In your that series. would be very cool, actually. Yes, because then you could have the uh, ascendancy to heaven kind of storyline, saying mm. you have to pick a side. Which side you're going to pick? And then you could. Ooh. And your archaeology team could be the ones that are trying to decipher how to get out of it, while while NUNS just throws bombs at them. They're trying to figure out the actual mystery behind the protoculture and how to really defeat them. Uh, and what part music plays in it? So you, you know, and then suddenly we're starting to hit SG One, the Stargate SG One territory. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God damn it! So you could, you cool. could put in all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. There. But like I say, I mean that that was pro probably how I would do your series to bring it into yeah. line with the anniversary thing. Start off with your small kind of, um, art, but then something that just explodes into the wider universe. Yeah. Um, so almost starting like you know Macross Plus, where it's very small, maybe four characters. Uh, so you don't have like a fleet, you don't have a school, you don't have all that sort of stuff. It's four characters that are doing some dangerous work on the edges of the known universe, and then shit hits the fan. Yeah. Damn it. So there you go. And you could even then, you could then bring in all the other fleets, because you'd have to bring everybody together, then you've got your schools, your SMS, your chaos, all that sort of stuff. Kawamori, mate, I hope you're listening, make this. Yes, I think it's highly likely that... Uh, <laughs> no, Kawamori, if only Shoji Kawamori listened to our uh, ramblings. Is listening to a minor UK podcast uh, that we chuck out during the week. Yeah, it's if, if you are listening, uh, Mr. Kawamori, then you know make it happen. And uh, we will obviously require uh, payment. So, uh, and preview copies. And yeah, Chugokins. Just pay us in Chugokins. Pay us in Chugokins, please, yes. If you can afford that. It's probably cheaper to give us money. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so I think we'll bring it to an end there and uh, say thank you for listening to all our Macrossy ideas and uh, we'll bore you with some more ideas. We no doubt we'll time. bore you with some many, many more ideas. Yes, we'll certainly give it a go. Well, thank you everybody and uh, have a good week and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.